Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever and whenever you are in the world, you're listening to the 40th Scottish Field podcast, 40 already, released on Wednesday, the 13th of March, 2022. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kenny Smith and I'm the web editor of Scottish Field. Every month, Scottish Field brings you the best of all things Scottish, heritage, interiors, antiques, gardens, wildlife, motoring, whiskey and country news, as well as interviews with famous Scots names. And talking of all the best things that are Scottish, I'm joined today by our chief sub-editor, Rosie Morton, to chat about our April 2022 edition. Hello, Rosie. Hello, you're such a charmer. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. How are you, Kenny? I'm very well indeed today. It is a lovely, dry, sunny morning. I've already been out for a walk. I did six miles before I started work, so that's not a bad start to the day. Well done. I was thinking of you this morning, actually. It was a beautiful sunrise across Inverleith Park in Edinburgh because I was up and out as well. But I was thinking of you because I know that you're always uh, well ahead of everyone. And it feels like (laughs) when you're up at that hour and you see the sunrise, it's like you've done a whole day's work before everyone else. It's wonderful. And the sunrise, actually, it was like a Lion King sunrise. I kid you not. It was beautiful. So thanks to you for inspiring me. It was lovely through here in the West as well, as I caught it just as it was coming up over the hill. And that's the annoying thing about mobile phone cameras. They just cannot capture the sunlight. You can get some lovely lens flare, but you can never quite capture the shape of the sun or the moon, unfortunately. So (sighs) the beauty of the eye, the the eye picks up the best sights and you can't always record them. Got to live in the moment, live in the moment. Exactly. And talking of living in the moment, the moment is nearly upon us for April. And we are chatting Mm. about our April edition, which is, it's been out for a couple of weeks, but this is the first chance we've had to have a wee blether about it. And yet again, another packed issue. And let's start with one of my favourite things in the world, food. And (laughs) you met the Bad Girl Bakery. Oh, I know. Jenny Ionetta from Bad Girl Bakery. She's the founder. She runs this place up in the Muravor, in Muravord with her husband. And she's such a nice lady. And her food, doesn't it just look incredible? Mm-hmm. It's, I'm it's looking at it now. In the opener, she's holding, uh, what is it she's holding? A berry and custard brioche tray bake um, in the top left corner. And it just looks I mean, unreal. I actually made one of these, two of these recipes oh. in the book. Uh, tried and tested. Can actually say for sure they are 100% worth trying. Um, we made the cranberry, clementine and white chocolate scones. That was actually just oh. we made that. Oh my goodness. So good. So, so good. And also, I think it's a gluten-free one. A chocolate, banana and coconut loaf. Oh, that looks nice. Oh, no, it's not gluten-free. It's vegan. That's right. So I was kind of surprised. But for any of your vegan friends, it's definitely one to try. It didn't taste at all like you were scrimping on any of the fun from baking. So, yeah. I like it because I see there's also recipes for granola, Greek yogurt and berry muffins, blueberry, lemon and elderflower layer cake. And then there's my favourite, grown-up tiffin, all that chocolate. Oh, my mouth is Mm. drooling already. Mm. Oh, and the train of thought, actually... I know you're a big fan of Bake Off, the Great mm-hmm. British Bake Off. I think the celebrity's back, the celebrity version is back. Is it tomorrow or the next day? It's tonight. Sometime this- it's tonight, tonight as we speak. It's Tuesday mo- and it's back tonight at, I think it's eight o'clock. Yes, sorry, o'clock. I've messed up your, your podcast timeline there. 
That's all right. It's, it's Wednesday. <laughs> we're, we're talking on a Wednesday. Oh dear. Sorry. Oh, a bit of, yeah. oh, not at all. It's time travel, but we'll come back to a bit of time travel before we go at the end of this episode. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, almost time a seamless travel. Link. <laughs> almost, almost a seamless thing. I, I'm thinking of time travel and wonderful wizardry things. And there's actually a beautiful picture in the photo essay of Harry Potter train. Do you yes. want to talk about that? Absolutely. In the feature Call of the Wild, where we have landscape and natural history photographer Duncan Fraser, who's found his home nation is a powerful muse as he seeks to conserve its amazing wild spaces. And some of the pictures in here are just stunning. And there's a picture of the view uh, of, of autumn at Scott's view. And the daylight just coming through the clouds there is just amazing. Just to be able to capture that light and being in the right place at the right time, it is just an awe-inspiring sight. It genuinely is one that makes you think, wow, absolutely breathtaking. Mm, yeah, he's the Duncan Fraser, the, the he's I think he's he's 25, so really young. He is self-taught and he's a natural history photographer. So he's done all sorts of really cool stuff with um, you know, inspired by David Anbra, of course, Sir David, uh, course. as we all are. Yeah, just spectacular to look at, right? Absolutely. There's just looking at some of his other shots here with a shot of the Wallace Monument peeking through some clouds with the trees there and it is just something it looks like something out of a dream in fact it almost looks like an island the cloud is it looks like the sea it's just mm. absolutely stunning and there's another picture there of calgary beach and mull and it looks like a piece of art you'd think it was painted just with the sand to the right and the sea colors to the left with a black streak down where the shingle is and it's just mm. amazing it looks like a painting but it isn't yeah, definitely. Have you ever picked up a camera yourself, Kenny? Have you been that inclined that way? I have. I, I quite enjoy photography. Even just when I'm out for my morning walks with my mobile, I quite like to get pictures and try and get a little bit of lens flare and try and capture the sunlight in that. And yes, the, I do get the odd decent shot from that. And it's quite quite good fun. Even just the other evening, I went for a stroll around Lockery Skilbride and mm. managed to capture a bit of, just as the sun was setting and the lock, the light was reflecting on the lock and Mains Castle was just to the right shot. And it was, yeah, I quite enjoy it. How about you? I love it. I would love to know more about it. And I mean, I'm not going to profess to be at all an expert of photography, but yeah, if, I think now that we're all living in the, the age of Instagram, we're all trying to take the, the best photos that we can. But yeah, it, I just... I think I do need to put my phone away more though, just as we were saying at the beginning there, I, and just enjoy, enjoy the views and uh, yeah, stop living in a virtual world. But no, uh, photography is, is just, there's so many talented people out there that I would love to have their talent. Yeah, I mean, some of the images they capture are just so stunning and so dramatic. And talking of dramatic, how's this for seamless? Mm. We've also got a feature, as quite a lot of our features this month are on Perthshire. We have a look at the Pitlochry Festival Theatre, where our lovely colleague Morag Butland has had a chat with the artistic director, Elizabeth Newman. Mm, yeah, yeah. It, it, the theatre itself looks really beautiful. And aren't we all just desperate to to get back into, uh, into theatres and see live performances? Yes, I mean, I was at theatre last week and I'm going tomorrow night as well uh, to go and see James McAvoy in Glasgow and oh. Serrano de Bergerac. And last week I was seeing Lena 
down in Greenock at the Beacon Arts Centre, which is the story of Lena Zavaroni, this talented Scots singer who had it all when she burst onto the scene in what, age nine or ten. And sadly, she passed away at the age of 35 after getting an eating disorder and mm. such a wasted talent. It's so, so sad. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible show. I mean, the cast are brilliant. We've got the amazing John Coltshaw, as many people know, a, a fantastic impressionist. But people don't realise mm-hmm. he's also a damn good actor as well. He's just He's got so much presence and charisma and he's he's just such a wonderful, wonderful just brilliant human being. He's, he's actually somebody I'm very friendly with. So it was, I'm not just saying that because he's a friend. And he's, mm. he's just an incredibly talented, funny, warm, engaging actor. And Erin Armstrong, who's playing Lena Zavaroni, is superb. She's playing, you know, she's playing a nine, ten year old all the way through to her mid thirties, and it's quite it's quite an affecting story considering there's all about the stories of children finding fame too soon and then the burnout Mm -hmm. what happens when the fame stops and Mm -hmm. looking at the responsibilities of parents so it's in an age when we still have things like the x factor and the voice and britain's got talent it's very much a cautionary tale as well as something that hopefully people can learn from what happened to poor lena so yes i thoroughly enjoyed it that's really interesting. I haven't been to see any uh, any plays uh, or you know ballets or anything recently, but I did go to see a live podcast, which I may have spoken about before. I can't remember, but uh, stop me if I'm repeating myself. Not but it was Jake Humphreys and Professor Damien Hughes' podcast called the High Performance Podcast, and they came to Edinburgh. And uh, yeah, they just sat and talked uh, about their experiences speaking with these really high performance, high performers in sport, in business, uh, in in acting as well. And it was really, really interesting. So yes, the the learning curves of of life across the board. Um, and it's interesting how everyone seems to have similar experiences, even though their paths have been very different. Their their fundamental messages are the same. Yeah, it's, it's amazing just uh, what people, the stories have people to, they have to tell and just, I love, mm. love listening to podcasts. Very interesting. You always get somebody, well, most podcasts, when they've got guests on, they're usually quite interesting. And uh, yes, yeah, I, I, I like the sound of that. I definitely, I may have to try and find the recording of that. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. Uh, they're, I think they're on, I think on iTunes, I just use my my Apple app to listen to it. But yep. um, yeah, very Other good. apps are available, think, Rosie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my apologies. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going through the whole list today of, of don't, <laughs> Free advertising. Uh, don't do that on a podcast. <laughs> Another interesting lady that um, we have featured in the magazine is Denise Mina. Um, yes. Another person with a fabulous life story, award-winning crime writer. And I had the privilege of speaking with her for this month's magazine. She's written uh, a book recently called Rizzio and it's all about Mary Queen of Scots private secretary and and very good friend David Rizzio mm-hmm. uh, who was murdered brutally in 1566 and it's just a retelling of that story with the it's historical fiction so she's filled in the gaps with her extraordinary imagination but also has done a huge amount of research into into it to make sure that it's historically accurate so that was very interesting do you like historical fiction i do in fact i'm i'm rereading one at the moment actually 
called City of Vengeance by D.V. Bishop. Uh, who, in fact, mm. David, David featured way back, and I think it was just our second ever episode of the podcast chatting about it. And he's got a sequel out very soon. He's just won an award from the New Zealand, I think it was from some New Zealand readers group for, I think it was Best Original Historical Novel of the Year, something like that. And well done, David. Really good read. And I look forward to reading more about uh, Aldo Cesare, his lead character. So, yes, thoroughly cool. enjoyable. So, yes, we've got a hell of a lot more in this issue. So mm. all of them we've talked about is available in the latest Scottish Field, the April edition, price £4.75. And to find out more about how to order a copy, or even better still, subscribe, just visit www.scottishfield.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. And now, Rosie, mm. we shall talk about something we've alluded to already a couple of times. You mentioned earlier a bit of time travel, and you mentioned that we've got a special guest in this week's episode of the Scottish Field podcast. Yes, it's so exciting, isn't it? I, I will let you do all of the introductions because I know that you are the lucky one that got to speak with them. Indeed, I was. I was through in Bowness on Sunday as Bowness was holding the annual Hip Fest, which is the, the silent film festival held each year at the Hippodrome Cinema there, which I think is the oldest operating cinema in Scotland. And they had, as their concluding event on Sunday night, they had a showing of L'Homme du Large, which I think means the big man from 1920. Yeah. And to bring it to life, they had uh, somebody playing live music, so it was capturing that feel of it. And they also had a narrator. And the narrator was an actor whose work I have been a huge fan of for many, many years. He was in The Monocled Mutineer, he was in With Nil and I, and also he was the eighth Doctor Who. I'm talking about Paul McGann. <laughs> of course he was Doctor Who. Who hasn't been Doctor Who? You seem to know every single fact <laughs> that there is I'm... out there about DW. I do know a few things. In fact, as you look now, Rosie, I'm actually, because I'd never met Paul before. I've met most of the doctors before or interviewed them, but I'd never met Paul McGann. So there's my, I got a signed picture. I went and got this printed out at Boots, got a 10 by 8 photo, 2.99, and got Paul to sign it to me. So I've got a nice wee souvenir from that. That's the Olympic gold of Doctor Who fans, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of, definitely one of, um, still, I mean, I've interviewed all the Scottish doctors, Sylvester McCoy, David Tennant, Peter Capaldi, who are all of whom, mm. of course, I would love to bring on to the Scottish Show podcast or even into the magazine. So if you're listening, gentlemen, you know where to find me. But yes, it was great having a chance to meet Paul as we had uh, we chat and we spoke about him working in Scotland as he's appeared in programmes like Sea of Souls, which he did oh, more than a decade ago with Bill Patterson. And more recently, in fact, I think it was at the start of last year, during the lockdown, he was back up in the west of Scotland where he was filming Annika, a crime series set in the River Clyde, starring Nicola Walker. Now, here's a bizarre thing. I mentioned I was down at the theatre in Greenock last week at the Beacon Arts Centre. And I arrived there with my friend and as soon as I got there, I thought, this building looks familiar. And I realised straight away that was the building that had doubled for the police station in Annika. So that's where Nicola Walker and Paul McGann <laughs> had been walking in and out and just think, this is a ridiculously small world. No and, way! But also, before I left the house on Sunday, when I put the TV on, there was an episode of Hornblower on the old ITV drama Sesame oh, yeah. Sea. And it features a gentleman who'd fallen into the sea and was getting pulled down by an anchor. And the gentleman being pulled down by the anchor was Paul McGann. So yes, Sunday... <laughs> 
was very much a Megandi. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how the world just comes together like that sometimes, and it just seems to direct you in the right direction. That's it fabulous. Does. It's some truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. So without further ado, let's meet our special guest for a quick chat. Hi, I'm Paul McGann. I was just wondering where your love of black and white film began, because I know that um, you mentioned that you had vague memories of Yetis and Underground and black and white TV when you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, 60s telly. Yeah, and I'd imagine that It would have like- been in the 60s, you know, um, telly. We were remembering just now... Um, that there was a Bob Monk house. I feel so confident saying it, but I could be talking, I could be dreaming it. But, I, but I've got this memory of being with my siblings and uh, my mum sort of put me in front of the telly and Bob Monkhouse had this program on. And it was like, it could have been about half an hour and there was like slapstick comedy and he'd be describing that, you know, he must have had a collection of this stuff himself. Uh, and that, that the, I remember being thrilled and impressed, and impressed with him, his kind of love for it, his passion for it. Sometimes he'd stop the films and go, look, look at that, you know, he's, he make, he's making it look easy, but then and he'd, and he'd sort of fill you in with the context of whoever it was, you know, uh, Keaton, and he'd tell you, and I remember thinking, God, this guy's great, you know. And it must have been around the time, well, I think back you know, but in the 60s, you know, a lot of these silent movie people, they just, they, all of them were still working, still alive. Um, but it seemed like a lost world, you know. And I guess it comes from there. It comes from, you know... Um, but like a lot of people, you know, in the modern age, you know, you, I, I suppose, particularly with silent pictures, it's that your first experience of it, most of us, it, it's that, it's those little two reeler slapsticks, it's the Keystone Cops, it's uh, Hal Roach, you know. Um, and you might you, you you might not know at the time, and why would you? You know, in fact, that, that this huge epics, you know, two-hour films, three-hour films, you know, made before the First yeah. World War, and, you know, novelizations, and there were probably like three Ben Hur shot at the time, Shakespeare productions. And when I really got into silent pictures, that was the big surprise. Later on, thinking, oh my God, look at that, you know. And as they were getting restored, and as they, you know, the ones that survived, and as they came up, um, you know, that was the thrill of realising, oh my God, you know, like a woman plays Hamlet mm-hmm. in the teens, you know, Asta Nielsen plays Hamlet in 1919, 1920. And that would have been like the third Hamlet on film already, you know. Yeah. So already, I guess say there were these, you know, huge, the pictures were huge right from the start, you know. Not so much of it has been lost, but... And now we're doing this, you know, and in, and in a small way, but significant, you know, where people are being, new audiences are being reminded that, you know, that only, only a fraction of this stuff survives, like yeah. they said less than 20% of, of everything that was made you know, yeah. in the silent era survives. There's enough for us to work with, enough for us to go on, enough to keep festivals alive, yeah. you know, packed houses and audiences really, you know, thrilled with it. Yeah. Um, it's great. Yeah, so I think it was when they used to show Harold Lloyd and things like that yeah. in the neighbours' time slot on BBC One after children's TV. Had they did. I remember that. And then we wait for Harold Lloyd. And yeah, like Lloyd that. was clever, wasn't he? Because and he looked after his own and owned his own material. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we all saw Harold Lloyd is because it all survived. Yeah, his family kept it. He made sure he had his own vaults. He bought his own stuff. He was smart. 
you know, they called him the fourth genius. Um, what was it, the third genius? The third genius, um, Kevin Bradley, was it was, David Robinson. Um, and he was super smart, you know. But of course, so many of them were, I don't know, they were, they, they were just at the prey of other things and vicissitudes of the business. When talkies came in and later in the 40s, you know, high Hollywood, a lot of it just got skipped. Yeah. They, uh, they got rid of it, yeah. you know. Cultural vandalism. Well, that's right. It's good, but it's it, it, something like that happened, you know. Mm -hmm. Particularly in the states, you know, where there was a kind of spirit of, well, if it's old, it must be, you know, defunct or useless. Yeah. You know, new is better, kind of. Yeah. Thing. But there you go. And now, and for, to work on this kind of thing now is kind of thrilling because, you know, we're seeing, you know, they're, they're restorations yeah. uh, often, like, and they're pristine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's probably stretching it to say, you know, we're. You know, an event like today's in bonus, you know, you're seeing it like early audiences saw it. It's not not quite like that, yeah. but it's as near as damn it. You know, you're you're, you're seeing a you know a, a perfect a perfect print yeah. with live musicians with a full house. Yeah. You know, so you're getting the spirit, you're getting the vibe. Yeah. Um, and it works. Yeah. And it's lovely to hear, obviously, two years two years later than planned. Of course, you've worked in Scotland a fair bit over the years, particularly um, kind of doing Steve Souls and more recently. Working with yeah. Nicola Walker on Anika. Anika. Yeah. I was actually down at the police station. I was in seeing John Culshaw in theatre. Oh, right, well, so you're at the location. Down, right? at, down at Greenock in uh, the theatre, yeah. and I hadn't realised that. But that was because you're in lockdown, you know, nobody. Like I said, what's the point of being in Glasgow? Mm. You know, everyone's locked inside. You know, so we're, I'm really, really, you know, fingers crossed me and Nicola that we go again. That yeah. would be great, you know. Yeah, I'm touching wood here. Yeah, because you know, it would be great to go back and do it, you know, particularly when Glasgow's out and about this time, you know. Absolutely. On fat, as yeah. they say. And huge thanks to Paul. And to find out more about Hipfest and the Hippodrome, visit www.hippodromecinema.co.uk. I'm just so happy. I think you can tell that I'm buzzing after that, uh, that chat. It's <laughs> not often you get a chance to meet a hero. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. For our creative features, I often ask the question to, you know, famous Scots, who would be your dream dinner date? And I get the feeling that he would be at your table. Well, he was brilliant. He was absolutely happy. He was just so full of energy and charm and his love of silent film and, and film and, and TV in general. It just shines through. And yes, he would be a great dining companion with so many stories to tell and having a laugh. And he's also a big football fan because... We were chatting about the Liverpool games. He's a big Liverpool fan. And uh, he expected they would go through and beat Nottingham Forest. And he was right, because we spoke before the game. So, yes, that was good. And um, it's better, having talked of all things online there with the Hippodrome's web address, we'd better chat about our social media. We've got Twitter at www.twitter.com forward slash Scottish Field. And for our Instagram page, you can follow us at Scottish Field Mag. That's M-A-G. And we also have a Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Scottish Field. And of course, you can always pop by our website, www.scottishfield.co.uk, which contains unique content that you won't find in the print magazine, as well as links to purchase the magazine online in physical and digital formats. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure as ever. And likewise, you always cheer up my morning. What a nice way to start the day. What are you going to do this afternoon? Uh, this afternoon, well, it's back to the grindstone as we've got the May issue of Scottish Field deadline approaching rapidly. So I'm going mm. to be working on some news pages and getting some interesting facts and things together 
for our readers to enjoy in the next issue, which will be out in a couple of weeks' time. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, you? good luck. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much the same. I'm doing lots of work for the May issue, which is very exciting. We're looking forward to it. So, uh, But hopefully at lunchtime, I'll get out and enjoy some of that sun. Yes, I'm hoping to get the same myself. Brilliant. So, <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Rosie. And we'll speak again very soon on the Scottish Wheel podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.